This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I have to, before I forget, uh, I was speaking in Peoria last week and a man named Derek gave us a lovely bottle of wine yeah. as a thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, Derek. And he, he gave us a note that said, open in case of religious hypocrisy. <laughs> then it'll, it'll be open. That was really sweet. I think our first uh, gift from a listener. Our collective bottle of wine gift. We, have we gotten? Oh, you know what? We did get another gift. Do you remember when Ray Comfort sent me a <laughs> basket of pears because I made fun of his sweet, movie? Sweet man who's wrong about everything. Listen, those <laughs> pears were very good. <laughs> so, you know, come at me, Ray Comfort, with your pear meanness. <laughs> uh, I, I want right. to start with a story that I just saw yesterday, and mm-hmm. it just. It's one of those you see it and you're like, what am I doing wrong with my life? Or more importantly, everything and all what things. is everyone else doing wrong with their lives? <laughs> uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, the actress, she runs that website called Goop. Goop. Stephen Colbert makes fun of it because it just sells. I don't think making fun of Goop is limited to Stephen that's, Colbert's that's repertoire. Uh, it sells a lot of dumb stuff, mm-hmm. but they also sell a lot they, of harmful stuff. Yes, they are dumb, but also... Very expensive. Yeah, and very expensive. Uh, $15,000 dildo, solid gold in case. Because oh, oh, why would anyone settle I for less? I just mean cold. Yeah. Um, wait, well, you know, when it's 15000 it better be self-heated or something. <laughs> um, she also sells jade eggs that you're supposed to stuff in your vagina. What is that supposed to do again? I, th- nothing. Okay. It's supposed to do nothing, uh-huh. but I'm sure she says otherwise. Vaginal steamers. because Which is actively bad for you, I uh-huh. think. And coffee enemas. Like, also actively bad for you. It's it's bad stuff. But on top of that, we talked about this like a week or two ago. Yeah. She also promotes this idea that, you know, get bee stings. The bee for ag- and that killed somebody. And like other stuff she sells isn't just pseudoscientific. It's harmful. Actively dangerous. And they tell you this will cure whatever disease you have or problem you have. Maybe they toe the line before between saying like it'll cure it versus... It'll help. Just or real whatever. quick, like I, mm-hmm. I think appropriately freaked out about this when we talked about it. Somebody added me on Twitter and said like bee venom is actually a thing that doctors use. I did understand zero research a, on this. Yeah, I think there's a difference between we're using bee venom as part of a, a some uh-huh. sort of a cure for something sure. or helping versus hey, just go sit down and we're gonna throw bees on you and do acupuncture <laughs> that way. That does sound different. I mean, I'm exaggerating a bit, but like <laughs> what they were doing to that woman as if that was going to fix her in some way, I don't think is what that tweeter was talking about. No, 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 no. But, but I think... He, it's fair to say, fine, there's some valid... I think he or valid... she was, like, trying to tone down my, yeah. like... <laughs> All bees are evil yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm the reason bees are dying. Yes. You're going out killing them one by one. <laughs> Just one by um, one. Like a tiny bee assassin. A so, bee assassin. So the story here is that Goop just went through a round of funding of investors. It's mm-hmm. called a Series C. They're getting money for their company. And they raised $50 million on a valuation for 20% of the company. It's Mm -hmm. now owned by investors for $50 million. You do the math, the company's worth $250 million on paper. What are we doing? It's a quarter billion dollar company that sells $15,000 golden dildos. Um, Because I guess you got to have two. But it's... It's it's pseudoscience, and it, I know it's a big industry. We could talk about homeopathic medicine. We could talk yeah. about all the other alternative, complementary medicines. I know it's a big business. Yeah. I know it's a big industry. It's just frustrating when you're like, uh, you even mentioned this. 
Colbert's not the only one making fun of it. It's it's almost there but to be made fun of. Buying it, I but th- yeah, people are buying it. People I, remember we talked about this a while ago too. The same people who make her goods uh-huh. are the same people who provide Alex Jones with the stuff he sells on Infowars right. because it's the same bullshit, and you're selling it to gullible people. It just depends on the messenger. Yeah, and whenever I see, things- and by the way, it's liberals too. Oh, yeah, stuff. for sure. It's a horseshoe effect, right? Like, yeah. it's liberals and conservatives get more so they just sort of, like, smooch at the bottom. <laughs> yes. Um, I, God, whenever I see, it's like, things like that and, like, designer, designer website, like, like Kanye has a, has his fashion line. It's like, it's a t-shirt, but it's $5,000. <laughs> and it's just one of the, like, we're doing okay. We're, like, my husband and I are now both gamefully employed. <laughs> we own a home. But, like, the... It, it's just so beyond my ability to fathom that kind of money that you're like, God, you know what I really need in yeah. my life? A dildo, which is fine. You know what? It but needs not to a be regular made out one. of yeah. gold, which is, it's troubling. And let me tell you why. Because gold is obviously hard, but it's also one of the softest metals. So to me, it's like the worst of all worlds. Like, how come much, that one way. How much money do you need to be making where you're like, yeah, I'll this buy this. This feels reasonable. <laughs> yeah. How much was it? 15000 for 15, that one. 15000 Yeah. Yikes. Um, but bites. also, you have so much money that you're not using, you're not buying regular people's medicine. You're buying stupid medicine that doesn't actually yeah. do medicine. And also, I feel like something happens when you get that rich that you don't have to buy anything anyway. They just give you things. Have you ever noticed <laughs> that? Like, celebrities are like, oh, I got, you know, this boat for free. Yeah. And it's Here's like, well, my Oscar bag. It's worth $15,000 yeah, for like, we need that shit. You don't need it. You can buy it. You can buy an iPhone, dude. <laughs> Go to the fucking Apple store. Yeah, it just shows you how, again, it's a critical thinking issue. If you're not critical think, if you're not a critical thinker, yeah. this stuff probably sounds enticing. The website's lovely, like, to look at. Am aesthetically I mad at pleasing. the wrong things, do you think, right now? Um, You should be mad at the people who would actually buy this stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. And the people hawking it to them as if they're doing themselves a favor. Yeah. They're not. They're wasting their money. And in some cases, they're throwing their money away on things that aren't going to help them when they should be spending it on things that might actually work and have some scientific backing to it. They're not doing that. Mm -hmm. That's what's infuriating. It's like, you can, if you don't care about who you hurt, you can make a lot of money. And they're just making... Garbage. Like, that's why, like, oh my God, I almost just went on a tangent about capitalism. But, like, yeah. it's sort of this flaw in capitalism that, like, Gwyneth Paltrow, listen, I'm a fan of Gwyneth Paltrow. I love Shakespeare in love. It's my jam. But, like, what is she contributing to society? And now she's worth a quarter billion dollars or something. I which, understand that's how now how finances work. She's not worth it or which, whatever. Which she's now going to invest overseas, international, to make Goop International. Sure. Yeah, because that's what people in like third world countries need it's jade shit to shove up their <laughs> areas um i'm just that's fine i don't know why i'm like it's too early in the show to be this riled up about <laughs> anything go ahead all right i'll give you i'll give you a sadder story but oh, it's, cool Th- yeah, thanks Emmett. yeah thanks for dragging me different. down with you okay so a judge died recently it's a federal judge and i don't know that his name would ring a lot of bells his name is steven reinhardt um he was a judge on the ninth circuit court of appeals it's a federal post. A president has to nominate you for that position. He was nominated by Jimmy Carter in 1980. Mm-hmm. He's been around for that long in that position. But he was arguably the most liberal federal judge in the country. Really? The Ninth Circuit is already considered the most liberal of the circuits, and he was like the most liberal judge. Um, he's someone who said the Prop 8, the gay mar- anti-gay marriage stuff, 
is wrong. He was for mm-hmm. gay marriage way before Good other people were. He's, I'll tell you about some of his other decisions, but the one that, uh, the reason I was paying attention to this one uh, and the reason that his death was like sadder mm-hmm. because I know of what he did is we've all heard of Michael Newdow and trying his challenge to take under God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, yeah. So early 2000s, he filed that lawsuit saying, my daughter has to say the pledge. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't have to. It's a promotion of religion. Did we uh, interview him? Uh, we may have. I've talked to him. He's He's been a source for me for a number of stories. Okay. I don't know that we've interviewed him. We may have in person. Okay, that. anyway. But um, he filed that lawsuit. The a court... Uh, basically, it went to the appeals court at some point in like 2004. And the reason this became such a big story, mm-hmm. the reason people talked about it is because at the appeals level, they voted two to one to say, yup, under God is unconstitutional. Huh. Like the day that happened or the day after wow. that happened, like 150 members of Congress stood on the steps of the U.S. Capitol to say the pledge with under God Ugh, in it. so brave. <laughs> oh, yeah. they're the real heroes around And of here. course, that went up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court eventually said like seven to two or something, uh, we're not going to rule on this because you don't have legal custody of your daughter. There's an issue with him and his wife. Really? He didn't have custody. So they said you don't have the standing to bring this case, so we're not even going to rule on whether it's unconstitutional. Hmm. Like, forget it. You can't bring this case. Bye-bye. That's a bummer. But it won two to one at the appeals level. That was a weird thing. That's such a big deal. And the judge who wrote that uh, decision, Mm -hmm. his name was Alfred Goodwin. He's still around. Stephen Reinhart was number two. He signed on to that thing. So that was a big deal. Um, Years later, Michael Newdow tried challenging it again. Because he's like, well, I got to the Supreme Court the first time. Maybe if I just had standing or I found someone with standing, I could try again. And And is Newdow himself a lawyer? He is a lawyer. He's also a doctor. He's one of those like super good at everything sort of things. Yeah, that's Um, there's people like that. Like no. I now work for a thing that does a uh, thing on uh, works for doctors that are neurosurgeons. And a lot of them like also have their MBAs or like also have PhDs. And it's like, you can like take a day. <laughs> right. You're allowed to nap. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So Nudow challenged this again, but this time he was the law, lo- instead of representing himself, okay. he was a lawyer representing other plaintiffs who really did have standing. That was not in doubt. Uh-huh. So basically he's forcing the courts to rule on the merits of the case. It gets up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals again. And wouldn't you know it, Stephen Reinhardt gets randomly assigned to this case Funny. again. Um, this time Nudow lost two to one. Mm. Um, one being Stephen Reinhardt, who's like, okay, the other two said, shut up, this is fine. It's not promoting religion. Love. But I want to read you some of the stuff Reinhardt wrote in his dissent because this gives you a flavor of what this guy was like. Uh-huh. Um, only a desire to change the rules regarding the separation of church and state or an unwillingness to place this court on the unpopular side of a highly controversial dispute regarding patriotism and religion could explain the decision the members of the majority reached here. (laughs) (laughs) He goes on, to put it bluntly, no judge familiar with the history of the pledge could in good conscience believe, as today's majority purports to do, (laughs) that the words under God were inserted into the pledge for any purpose other than an explicitly and predominantly religious one 
And he's right. It was added in 54 to say, yeah, we're religious. We're not like the communists. He also said at one point, whatever beliefs may be shared by a majority of our citizens, it is respect for the rights of minorities and for the Constitution itself that must bind us all. Cool. Yeah. So like just died and he died. Uh, He was 87, I believe. Um, He also said like a federal ban on second trimester abortions was wrong. He said terminally ill patients had a right to end their own lives. I love this dude. Uh, Seriously, we lost a good one. And one of the frustrating. Had he retired? No, was he still? He was still on the Mm, bench. Uh, I I don't know if this is accurate. I think he was just in for a doctor checkup or something, and he. He just died in the office or something. That Whoa. was the story that I, I that briefly like read. That sounds like murder to me. Um, but I, I want to bring up one aspect of this, which is, you know who gets to appoint his replacement now? Fuck. Yes. Um, this is why when we talk about the all the people complaining about Hillary Clinton, she's not a perfect candidate, whatever, Donald Trump is going to be able to, if he ever gets around to doing work, gets to nominate his replacement. And we know what sort of judges he nominates for the Supreme Court with Gorsuch and with the federal appeals benches, which he's been nominating left and right. Uh, That's one of the few things he's done really well. Like, he's been uh, nominating people. They have to get confirmed. You You know that he... Sure, he pawns it off on other people. But one of the things he's done is he said, hey, religious right, who do you want me to appoint? They literally gave him a list. This is the Federalist Society. These are the people, like, these are the most conservative justices who are not appointed and should be appointed. They have a list. They've published it. This is not a secret. And as long as he picks someone from those lists, Gorsuch was on that list... Other nominees he's taken have been from that list. As long as he keeps doing that, mm-hmm. this is why evangelicals are not going to leave his side. Because they, they think if you overturn Roe v. Wade, abortion's magically going to stop. But how do you do that? You appoint justices who are totally anti-abortion. Thoroughly so fucking Reinhardt's dead. Donald Trump gets to appoint his uh, replacement if it gets nominated and he gets through the process and Not everything. Butter emails. Like, seriously, if you, this is one of the things that's hard to explain before the election. It's like, it's not just about who's at the White House. It's, this has effects long lasting. If you care about any of these issues, uh, you can't let a conservative nominate these justices because we know they're not interested in nominating someone who's going to like get both sides the hearing. No, they're going to pick someone. And look, Democrats do that too. I know. Yeah, no, but, it's not. That's the thing is, it's not. Mayor Garland is not like an ideologue, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But I mean, and it's and and to be clear, it's not that like he's necessarily doing anything wrong. Like it's just a very like obvious. Oh, Mike Pence would have done it. Oh my any, god, 100%. anyone else would have done but, it too. But like, I think the reason we bring it up is like that's why elections are important, and mm-hmm. that's why like literally yesterday I saw some people do the like the really cool thing of like I couldn't stand here either, and blah 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 blah. Like yeah, yeah, dog, you're real cool. Really good job standing in your truth about not <laughs> something about Hillary Clinton. I just don't like. Yeah, I wonder what my it could be. On it. Uh-huh. Um, speaking of Trump supporters, mm-hmm. um, so there is a Washington Post um, article, and they uh, dug into data. Um, so this is by Andrew Whitehead, Joseph Baker, and Samuel Perry, uh, and they dug into um, Christians who still support Trump. Um, and so they looked at so uh, in, in spite in spite of 
recent news about Trump's misgivings, a recent Pew poll from early March 2018 saw that uh, white mainline evangelical Protestants continue to approve of Trump at higher levels than other religious groups. Right. They're the ones who voted 81% in support of him in the election. Right. So they kind of dug into this and tried to find more factors as to why. So, like, we know white Christians tended to support him. What are other factors that that they hold that um, that sort of would lead them to stand where they are? Um, so, shockingly, um, many people who uh, would agree to statements such as the federal government should declare the U.S. a Christian nation or we should bring back prayer to public school, a lot of those left. people voted for Trump. Whoa, surprise. I know. I'm really shocked. So what I thought was interesting... Okay, so um, this is a quote. We also examined many other common explanations of support for Trump, including economic dissatisfaction, an index of attitudes on gender, an index of black uh, anti-black prejudice, a measure, a measure of response a measure of response attitudes towards illegal immigration and an index view toward Muslims. So, so after accounting for, uh, religious affiliation, beliefs, behaviors, um, party affiliation, ideology, and socio, socio dynamic factors, they found that Americans who agreed with various members of, of Christian national nationalism, that's hard to say, huh? Americans who agreed with the various measures of Christian nationalism were more likely to vote for Trump. So a Christian Democrat was more likely to vote for Trump than a non-Christian Democrat. Okay. So the more Christian you are. Um, So (laughs) what I think is interesting is Christianity was the main factor. So it wasn't religiosity. It was Christianity. So so if that was taken out, the amount of religiosity had no effect on whether a person voted for Trump or not. Um, so in order, these are the reasons, these are the, it's like they have, they're in the bubble. They, they, Mm -hmm. that label mattered more to them than Republican or Democrat. Yes, that's exactly right. Versus something else. So the most, um, the most popular reasons for voting Trump or the things that people, uh, here are the most popular reasons for voting for Trump in order. One, political identity. Okay. Two, race. Three, Islamophobia. Four, Christian Mm. nationalism. So like... Granted, racism isn't top four specifically, unless you want to call Islamophobia also racism because brown people, because they probably don't like you personally either. Right, right. So yep. we can call them racist, I guess. So anyway, many vo- and and so this is what kind of touches on what we just talked about. Many voters believed and presumably still believe that regardless of his personal piety or lack thereof, Trump would defend what they saw as the country's Christian heritage and would help move them help move the nation toward a distinctly Christian future. Ironically, Christian nationalism is focused on preserving perceived Christian identity for America, irrespective of the means by which such a project would be achieved. Right. Perceived, because it doesn't exist, and they have no way to make it more Christian. Like, right. what are you going to do other than go back to some mythical time that never existed? Because doesn't it feel like banging on a drum, but, like, to no effect? Like, what, when they say you want to be a Christian nation... Do they actively mean we all need to convert to Christianity or people who are not Christians should leave or they should defer to Christianity as... They should use the Bible to justify a lot of what they do. Uh And it's never... But it's always a specific interpretation of it because, like, black Protestants believe in the Bible, Mm -hmm. but they're all for social justice Mm -hmm. and for civil rights. 
that's not what the white evangelicals think the Bible tells you to do. They're focused on like the culture war issues, mm-hmm. gay marriage, abortion rights, things like that. You so, know, gay marriage, how, what the Bible talks about all the time. Right. And so they think that being a Christian nation means their interpretation of the Bible and, oh, it happens to mm-hmm. persecute other groups of people. Yeah, for sure. Them. And so kind of the, the follow-up question I wanted to throw out to you is, so Christianity and white Christianity in particular are on the decline in terms of population. Mm-hmm. So do we think that, like, obviously they're galvanizing, right? They see their numbers falling, and so they're just tightening up as a group. Do you think that this is sort of the death rattle of that? Do you think in the next, say, decade or two, we're going to see a sort of saturation of those sort of, like, hardcore Christian nationalist values? Or do you think that they're just going to become, like, more and more small and dense, like a little tiny black hole of hate? I, I think that's what we're leaning toward, but I don't know that... I don't know how small that black hole is going to be. Uh-huh. There's still going to be a ton of them. They're in the majority. Even if they're on the decline, there's going to be a hell of a lot of them in a decade or two decades. But what do you neat, think... So, I mean... This, yeah. this goes to your question, though, which is that, yeah, I think they're... They're freaking out, so they're throwing everything against the wall, and they're saying radical things. Mm-hmm. I think those views are going out of style. And I think a lot of young Christians yeah. feel that way, too, that, like, these people don't speak for me. And so those views, you're still going to have, like, the Pat Robertsons of their time a decade from now, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're going to have the type of followers we see right now. Yeah. Um, the mega churches aren't going to be as mega. They're <laughs> not going to be as many of them. So... But they have a lot right now. Like, mm-hmm. again, think about what right-wing Christianity has right now. Well, Control they, of everything. And they're even organized if, as fuck. Yeah, and you bring them down a peg, they're still going to be pretty yeah. hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. It's not that atheists are replacing them. It's not that organized stuff is replacing mm-hmm. them. But I would argue that, like, a general liberal democratic... Uh, this Any survey you see where they ask younger people what they think mm-hmm. it is not in line with what older white christians are saying but people tend to be become more conservative as they get older that's saying like but not not, not at the as, same rate not at the same rate and like the percentage of people younger people it's way more than we saw yeah. a generation or two ago so they can have it i mean i wish they didn't they can have it now i don't think it's going to be this good for them mm-hmm. forever um, which is almost hilarious that with all the power they have right now, they have the dumbest guy in the White House. That's the thing. <laughs> Imagine like, if they had Mike Pence right now because they would get shit done and that would be horrible. Yeah. Donald Trump is thankfully so bad at what he does that they can't get anything. They can't get everything. But I mean, even, yes, Donald Trump is incompetent and impotent in every political way. <laughs> But, like, they have the House and the Senate, too, and they still can't get shit done. Like, right. that debacle with trying to repeal and replace Obamacare was humiliating right, for them. because they kept yelling about how we need to repeal and replace it. Yeah, oh, wait, no, they never had a plan. It was just like, a Like, literally nobody line. had a plan. Nobody it's, did, because there was no good reason to do it. unconscionable. I actually, kind of on the heels of, so talking about why people want a Christian nation, and it often comes back to this this idea of morality, right? This, this idea of, like, our morals, Okay, Christian morals are the good morals. We do morals good, mm-hmm. and we think we should apply that to everyone. And fine, in theory, if you think you genuinely have the moral high ground, and if they think Christians tend to be more moral than others, I guess I see your kind of point. But recently, and thank you for um, the Inefficient Kitchen at 
Rick Williams PGA. Maybe he's a golfer. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so pasture. Oh shit! I should have tried yeah. to read this. Can you say it? Yeah. Which one Cur- are we? Ta- Kirby. Kirby John. It's really just Kirby John. Yeah. Uh-huh. Let me tell you a story about this guy before you get into the story. Kirby John is an all-time name. Mm-hmm. More than a decade ago, when I was writing, I sold my soul on eBay. Uh-huh. So the idea when plug. I was writing the book, and she plugged, uh, was I was visiting a whole bunch of Christian churches. Uh-huh. Well, one of the ones that was kind of on the wish list of like, what's an atheist going to say about these churches was Joel Osteen's mega church because it was it's the biggest one in the Texas, country. Right? Yeah, Houston. And so I I flew down there. I was going to see Joel Osteen's mega. I did see it. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in the close to the front row. It really? was very interesting. Um, but I bet he's really charismatic. Is he really charismatic? Of course. I mean, you've seen it on TV too. Yeah. He's totally charismatic. But while we were there, mm-hmm. uh, it was me and it was uh, my editor. We were like, well, we got to kill a few birds with one stone. What other churches are worth looking at here? Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer because I'm, I'm going where you tell me to go. He said, you know what? There's another church we want you to go on on this Houston trip because it's run by this guy named Kirby John Caldwell. I'd never heard of him. He said uh, he actually performed the benediction at George W. Bush's inauguration in oh, 2001. Okay. Um, he was the guy on stage. So, like, he's close with George W. Bush. He actually performed, like, the wedding, I think, for one of his daughters. So he's wow. super tight with the Bush family. Obviously, political connections are a big deal. So, And his church actually grew from, like, next to nothing to... Mm-hmm. I don't know, like 16,000 people at its peak. Wow. So, okay, fine. So this guy clearly has a big deal sort of church. They had a lot of branches. Uh I went to one of the branches in Houston. He wasn't there that day, Uh but I'll tell you what I saw when I went there. Um, I mean, it's a black church and black churches are always more enthusiastic and stuff, which is exciting if you've never seen it. Mm -hmm. But they had a guest speaker that day. And I remember specifically, because I was like, what the fuck is going on here? This person was talking about the sins. And here's the gist of the story. She was giving a personal story about how, you know, she was going through a rough time. She uh-huh. overcame uh, whatever the sin was. Maybe it was alcoholism. She overcame it because of her faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And her argument was, you know, all of us have sins of some sort that we need to overcome. And we should look to God to help us overcome it. Sure. And then she brought out a prop. And the prop, this has nothing to do with Kirby John Caldwell. It's just I'm so excited. Church. I'm so excited. It's a giant, like, blanket that you have to unravel Uh and on it, she listed all the different sins people might have. So alcoholism, some version of like addicted to pornography, um, other types of sins all laid out. Like it's almost like a a first grade craft that you did in school. And one of them said witchcraft on it. I'm like, so what Harry Potter, that's what we're railing against right now. They're good. (laughs) Like it was just weird to me and i'm like and and i felt like what did they i wanted do with to that? i wanted to look around they just held it up like yes we know all of these types of sins and we got to overcome they i'm have looking a laser around pointer out, like. it's it's like an atheist at thanksgiving dinner during the prayer i'm just looking around like there's got to be someone else here i can make eye contact with and yes. just be like this is messed up right like witchcraft isn't a thing is there we need any to worry about lo- lonelier <laughs> feeling than doing that and everyone's like no i'm on fucking that's board. exactly what it was everyone was totally into it oh, amening man. the whole way through and i'm just like oh my god where am i oh Jeez so anyway, Louise. that I was his church. Houston in October. Maybe I'll pay him a visit. <laughs> so that's his church. Good old Kirk, God, Kirby, Kirby John. John. What a fucking great uh-huh. name. Um, and also, how dare you? Because you asked me which name I was trying to pronounce, and his business partner was Gregory Smith. So how <laughs> dare you? <laughs> so, <laughs> so the story that happened this week with Kirby John 
with Pastor Kirby John is that the Windsor Village United Methodist Church, which is the church he leads, they're basically he's he has a side job where so he's it's a side hustle, a side hustle, which is basically Wait, he drives a lift. Is that a side hustle? <laughs> Not, and it rents his be. house on Airbnb <laughs> and then proselytizes to everyone who comes through. Could you imagine if you accidentally rented an Airbnb and they're like, "Hi, would you like to join us for church tomorrow?" <laughs> there are Bibles in every drawer you look inside. <laughs> Just all of them. All of them. <laughs> Um, Kirby John had a side hustle where he's basically saying, hey, invest in some Chinese bonds. You'll make your money back. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, those he got nearly three point five million dollars in investments Yeah, Uh, over a period of like a year and a half. Yeah. And and he told them they would see returns up to like 15 times their investment. He said they were safe, risk free and worth tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. As are all investments. Mm. I have some Bitcoin to sell everybody. Uh, guess what? They didn't give any of that money to anybody. What? I know. So not only was that a lie, uh, the Chinese bonds, the Chinese government says like those bonds aren't even legit. <laughs> Much yeah, less they were collectible memorabilia with no investment value. <laughs> so oh, he just boys. got charged with conspiracy, mm-hmm. wire fraud, money laundering. It's a million dollar fine, possibly. He could spend up to 30 years in prison hey, if but, he's convicted hey, on all these Hammond, charges. A million dollars is less than $3.5 million. That's true. So what are you doing um, with that? I, that's a good question. I don't know where all that money went. I assume the government takes yeah, it so, when they oh yeah. get So 20 years this. in prison just for the conspiracy to commit wire fraud and then an additional 10 years for conspiracy to commit money laundering. So, and I think it was on old, like on elderly folks, right? Yeah. Oh, there, it That's always nice is. Touch. That I mean, that is kind of the base for this church. It's older people in the community. It's mm-hmm. not like a church you walk into and you see a lot of teenagers. No, it's it's an older sure. crowd. Well, I would say most churches you don't see a ton of teenagers. Depends on the type, right? Um, and so, if, have a happy so, Easter. This so weekend yeah, at that like church. morals? <laughs> question mark. Like I don't know. I I just don't get this blind... Oh, my God, what a dumb fucking turn of phrase. But, like, this blind faith that, like, just because you're Christian means you are X. Or and they do the no true, true Scotsman thing, like, oh, he's not a real quest- Christian because he does this. I'm you like, can't I even know. argue that because he's... He's the realist. He's Yeah, I mean, he was on stage with the president doing the... Like, no, you're pretty much... You can't no true Scotsman a guy like that. Yeah. And, again, they trusted him because not only is he a Christian, he's their pastor, and he's a well-known pastor. Yeah. So, like, okay, I get... What I really want to know is, did he know this was full of shit when he was selling these investments? Yep. Or did he genuinely think he was helping these people? I don't no. know the answer to that. That's not an excuse for what he did, but I, no. I don't know the answer to that. But, oh... I so I just Kirby it's John. it's sad it's sad and it sucks and it's sad about anybody but le- like when it's somebody who proclaims himself to be like this morally pure person and like fucking spoiler alert you're a monster everybody's monsters yes. at least I'm a monster at least I don't pretend I'm not a monster Mm-mm. okay <laughs> let me <laughs> I made that clear. <laughs> <laughs> So in college, I went to University of Illinois in Chicago. It's downtown. Yeah, there, we get it. It's not. You're uh, very smart. Oh, that's to- <laughs> you're the first person that's ever said that to I me. I think Paul uh, for grad school, uh, but not for undergrad. What do you have your master's in? I don't know. It doesn't matter yes, now, does it? Basil. Doesn't matter now. Oh my god! It's are nothing- you still paying student debt? And you're like, I'm a blogger. <laughs> I'm thankfully done with all that part of my life. My government, can I not pay my <laughs> master's? I talk to people. For- 
You're telling me podcasting isn't a lucrative <laughs> career so move. Lucrative. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, as I was saying, so I went to UIC, which is smack in the middle of like downtown Chicago yeah. or right, loop, on, right? right in outside of the loop, basically. Uh-huh. Um, there's not a lot going on there. Like, there's some food nearby, but you got to walk a little bit. If you go on one side of the campus, it's kind of sketchy. Like, what are the cross streets-ish? Yeah, I don't know, but Greek Town's nearby. That was great. Oh, yeah. But if you go on the other side, it was kind of sketchy. Yeah. And the thing is, after I graduated, when I go back there now, they clearly renovate it. Like, they mm. made the food areas amazing. Uh-huh. Right as I was about to graduate, like, the dorms started getting really nice around that, that area. Happened to me, too. Yeah. What the fuck is that? Because they're trying to entice students. And if you want to live there, which mm-hmm. it's not the most enticing little place to live, but yeah. now it is because it's kind of amazing there. So, but that's what a school does if they're trying to entice people. They have money. They're like, look at our student center. Look at our gym. Look at our dorms. They're mm-hmm. awesome. So come to our school. At Liberty University, Uh-oh. they don't invest their money in stuff like that. They just invested their money in and bigger op- Bibles. Mm, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> no, they opened up a shooting range. <gasps> oh <my laughs> <God>. <laughs> and not just an- not just any shooting range. It's a beautiful, sophisticated, oh. Oh. luxurious shooting range. Bloody Liberty <laughs> University. Where are they? They're in. Oh, God, I should know this. Is it Virginia? It's... Uh, For some reason, I always imagine it being in Missouri. That's based no. on literally nothing. It's just what it is <laughs> in my brain. Virginia. Oh, it's in Virginia. But, uh, yeah, they opened up a shooting range because this is what their clientele wants. Right? I'm... I'm a god. <laughs> I cannot believe this. Um, it's on campus. It's on campus. You know, you, oh, you know, I can relate to this because at Ball State, we had bowling alleys. So it's like the same. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and 24-hour Walmart, Muncie, Indiana. Thank you. Just to be clear, like, there's no, this isn't a safety issue so much. It's like, you, they're weird. very, it's just weird. They have, they have their rules about who can use it, what uh, licenses you have to have None. in order to shoot anything. They're by the book on all this. I'm sure they're doing all the safety stuff. They're going to open it up to the public very soon, and the same rules will apply. Fine. I'm, I'm honestly not worried there's going to be some gunfight at no, some point. It's just What's weird. What's telling to me is just like, <laughs> you build this because you think this is what students who come to your school want. That this is a draw. <laughs> that this Sorry. is a draw for them. It's like, yeah, at other schools, they build dorms and the student centers. At Liberty, they give you a place to shoot people because that's what Jesus wants. <laughs> imagine or to pretend to shoot people. Right. Imagine you're a junior in high school and you're like, God, okay, where do I want to go? Oh, I've got a couple ideas. I'm thinking Duke. <laughs> Maybe I'll try for Columbia or maybe Liberty University. Like, Duke's basketball team is really good. Columbia's good school. Liberty. Oh, they have a fucking shooting range? (laughs) Imagine what that brochure looks like in the mail. It's just like a target. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so good. What what did they say on the outside of this building? Like, Jesus said, turn the other cheek? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just... That just... Feels so weird. <laughs> I'm obsessed so with yeah. this. Can we go? No. Why? I have been there once. Really? It, I've been in Lynchburg once, and I happen to see Liberty God, on Lynchburg the way. Lynchburg is because when the plane name. when the plane lands in that area, uh-huh. you see you know Christ the Hollywood the you know the Hollywood sign the the white letters in, in Hollywood. They have that that says Liberty or something like that. So I was. Dr- the plane was landing. I'm looking out the window and I see the giant like Liberty 
uh, How did they get lettering. that word? How come the conservatives <laughs> get words like liberty? Family. Morals. Mm-hmm. I have morals so, in a family. Yeah. My family's a dog, mostly. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, so. <laughs> I'm not used to working a full week and then having to come... <laughs> Sophisticated gun range. That's the word they used <laughs> to describe it. By the way, they also, I believe the school also allows you to carry a concealed weapon on campus. Sure, why sure. not? I mean, do you think they have, do you think the gun range offers like cucumber water? I want to know if they have target practice and they do the silhouettes of Oh my people God, it's going to be our face. Yeah. Do they have like just nondescript gingerbread men or do they have like faces of your culture war enemies. Oh my god. I'm fucking dead. <laughs> this is too much for me. Oh, Are man. you sure this wasn't the onion? It's not the onion. It's not an April Fool's joke. That's a legit real thing they did. Oh guys. Luxurious. What, what, what? So so far we've talked about Gwyneth Paltrow who sold a company for a quarter billion dollars and makes nothing worth anything. We've talked about a pastor who sold like gift cards to old people for five point eight million dollars or whatever. Yeah. And now li- this okay, Hemet, I sort of fucking got if this is a big April none Fool's of this, show, dude, I will cry. I hate April Fool's jokes and none of this is a joke. So I fall for them every time. I have no credulity. Uh, the Secular Coalition for America sent out a thing saying uh, I don't remember what it was. They're building some uh, Donald Trump's going to build some monument to Himself. Santa or something like that. Whatever. It was some April Fool's joke. They sent out a press release. Uh-huh. Snopes had to debunk it because someone would have fallen for oh, it. Oh god. But it was just funny. Okay, I have, here's one that was again, not an April Fool's joke. This actually happened. Uh, for some reason, Pope Francis has a favorite journalist friend of his that he's talked to like five times. Yes, yeah, because he's in his 90s. Yeah, the guy's like 90 some years, 93 years old. Eugene Scalfari. Eugenio. Eugenio. Uh, he's an Italian uh, editor of a newspaper called La Repubblica. And th- here's the thing. They've spoken five times. Do you have a, a better ha- pronunciation? A half Italian American. Oh, really? Go for it. Manja. Not even close. <laughs> Eugenio Scalfari in La Repubblica. You sound like an Olive Garden waiter. Okay, that's racist <laughs> against my people. <laughs> so Pope Francis <laughs> has talked to this guy like five times. Every time it's a headline-making thing because he doesn't give that many interviews to random people. And it's a liberal newspaper. It is a liberal yeah. newspaper. Eugenio Scalfari is an atheist. He's Really? He is. He's openly atheist. But they're buddies, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, the thing is, when this 93-year-old man goes in for an interview, here's some stuff you should know about him. He doesn't take notes. He doesn't record <laughs> the interviews. When he writes his articles, he's like, he puts words in quotations, though. He's so good at this podcast. Yeah. He puts words in quotations like, no, this is what that person said. And you can't really deny it, because what are you going to do? Go to the recording that doesn't exist? Right. No. So... Scalfari posts something, publishes something, front page of his newspaper, uh, in which Pope Francis was quoted as saying, there is no hell. And the the context (laughs) of this is that Pope Francis was supposedly saying that when people die... Uh, after death, the souls of people who repent are pardoned by God and join in his contemplation. Mm-hmm. But those who do not repent, hello listeners, Hi. and therefore cannot be pardoned, disappear. 
You know, hell does not exist. What exists is the disappearance of sinful souls. Unquote. Which, again, that's the weird part of this. Because, like, really? From memory? <laughs> all of that? All right. So, the headline, of course, everywhere Steel was trap. the Pope says hell does not exist. Yeah. And, of course, on script, because this is one of those after-school shootings, Republicans are going to say thoughts and prayers. Uh-huh. When the Pope says something to Scalfari, the Vatican responds with, the, <laughs> he didn't say that, stop listening to that guy. So, of course, the Vatican puts out a press release. What is reported by the author in today's article is the result of his reconstruction of what the Pope said. No quotation of the aforementioned article must therefore be considered as a faithful transcription of the words of the Holy Father. Whatever the Pope said, that ain't what he meant. <laughs> Don't listen to this thing. And also in 2014, the Pope said, the power, the money you have now from so many dirty deals, from so many mafia crimes, bloodstained money, bloodstained power, you will not be able to take that with you to the other life. This is not a time... There is not time. There is still time not to end up in hell, which awaits you if you continue this road. Yeah, so we said that so to the mafia. Clear. He believes in hell. Yeah, and uh, it's like Catholicism. So, like, is uh, the Pope Catholic? Yeah, he still is. Believe it or not. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just so good. It's so funny that again. The God, worst what a life reporter. To live. If you're <laughs> like, yeah, I talked to the Pope. He was like, yeah, there's totally unicorns in heaven, and, and Jesus is a raptor. It's true. If you're gonna make stuff up, I know, like, go big. Yeah, do better than that. Don't my don't do hell. Say like, you know what? We're gonna pay all the settlements for all the priests, or we're gonna let women in into like they can they get to elect the next Pope. Masturbation is chill. Yeah, right. <laughs> go nuts, guys. <laughs> Condoms are cool. Let's do it. Uh, and then he has a $15,000 dildo to sell everybody. Oh, that God. would be a story. Come on, Scalfari. How lucky we are to be alive <laughs> right now. Uh, uh, I have... No, you Here's the story it, for you. The, they did a survey. Uh, this is a survey done by uh, Deseret News. It's a Mormon uh, publication. Oh, yeah. They wanted to know how seriously people take the Ten Commandments. And their mm. argument is like, you know, who believes in the Ten Commandments? And like, how popular are they? To this day, and here's a weird way to put it. I'm paraphrasing that, but like it's the thing is, we know that some commandments are taken seriously by everybody, Uh and a lot of them are just silly. Yeah. So here's what's not surprising. Wait, Hemet. Yeah. How many ten ten commandments can you name off off the dome? Uh, If you gave me a little time, I could get no time. Go down. Oh no! Screw it. I'd, I'm oh, looking no. at a list right now. It wouldn't even and be fair. And you still couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but here's where I'm going with this. Thou shalt not murder? Fine. Like, cool. Uh, Got it. 94% of people said it's That's always... That's not as high as I wish it was. I know. It's an important principle to live by. There were like a couple percent who said, I don't know. <laughs> it's a little weird. But okay. 90s in the 90s, right? Thou shalt not murder. The next one on the list, thou shalt not steal. Also 90, high 90s, uh, mid 90s. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbors. Don't lie, basically. 90%. Um, as you go down the list, the, well, the least popular commandment Wait, with f- only 49% saying, Still yeah, it's a for- good idea. Wait, Still sorry, 49. Who, who is polled on this? Was this actual this, Christians who were polled or this is this is just all general people, population? General population. The least popular. Ca- and still 49%? That's and a yes, lot. 49% said um, that's a principle I should live by. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy? Bingo. Did look I get you, it? You, look at you. Fuck yeah. 49% said Sabbath day holy, keeping it holy. That's a good idea to live by. So, okay. The point is... Here's what's weird about this. If you are religious and Christian, 
Mm-hmm. The whole point of the Ten Commandments is these are all equal. These are all serious. Uh, like, it's not uh, like number one is the most important mm-hmm. and number ten is the least. No, no, no. <laughs> like, thou shalt not kill is not either one of those. It's in the middle. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. All of them are supposed to be taken seriously. But the thing is, even when you asked, when you broke it up by different religions, even among evangelicals who for the most part, they said, yes, we believe all the commandments are important, which is what you would expect. That wasn't the case for, like, everything. I'm trying to pull up the actual numbers here. Um, what was funny to me is just how many evangelicals didn't take all the commandments seriously, mm-hmm. which is normal. That's what you should expect. Um, younger people didn't take any of them as important. I mean, they were lower. Yeah on taking it seriously than everybody. Here's what I'm looking for. Like evangelicals, Sabbath day, holy, we're still talking like in the low eighties. <laughs> and they're the ones who say, no, we got to follow the commandments because they're all important. You would think that for evangelicals, you know, down the line, every commandment would be a hundred percent. This is the most important thing ever, but it's not. They have, you know, gradations of what they take seriously, mm-hmm. even though it's a tighter, like, it's still at the top. They still mm-hmm. more than 80% think the the most useless one is still worth following, but right, it's not but, equal. But it's it's so revealing of, of the kind of hypocrisy of saying that, like, oh, the Ten Commandments should be what we base our laws on. Because, like, yeah, you can go to church on Sunday or whatever, but, like, you know you need to stop at, like, CVS to pick up some shit and you want people <laughs> working. Like, that's not a realistic way to run. It, it's, it's coming from a place of utter privilege of people. Everybody should take Sundays off except for, like, People in the grocery store or the mall. Mall? I don't know. Sure. Um, I have a question. Do you have the the ranking of the of the commandments? Of the commandments? I do. So this is okay, for the so, general audience. You so mean? I've written down yeah, I've okay. written down seven out of the ten. Okay. I'm missing three. Okay. So in order, this is for the general population. Yeah. Thou shalt not murder was ninety four percent. Thou shalt not steal ninety four percent. Yes. Don't bear false witness against other people. Lying. Lie about them. Ninety one percent. Okay, those uh, are new. Honor thy father and thy mother. That's Fuck. 85. Okay. That was shall not missing. commit adultery. 83. Adultery! Yeah. You shall not covet other people's possessions. I at had that 78. At four. That's capitalism. Like, calm down. <laughs> you shall not worship false idols. 63%. Oh, I put that at number nine. Um, and these are all the, the four at the beginning, which no one should be taking seriously. No. 63% is you shall not worship false idols. Then... I am thy Lord, thy God. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. That was 59%. Thou, uh, don't take the Lord's name in vain was 59%. Lord and then Sabbath day vain. holy was 49. I didn't do very so, well. I got Sabbath one right. Again, the, the, there should be a list of like what people take seriously and not. And the thing is, you don't have to believe in the Ten Commandments to know, oh, thou shalt not kill is a good idea. You well, don't need the commandments for that. And also, like, some of those things when we, again, and I want to be very clear that we're talking about, like, they want to codify these things in a lot of ways. And, like, yeah, adultery is wrong, but, like, I don't think somebody should go to jail. Right, or it's the sin of death in the Bible if you're or breaking Or be the, killed, Heaven. Yeah, Did I need to be more clear about that? I do not think a cheater should be murdered. number, whatever that is. So... Yeah, it, it, again, it tells you this shouldn't go up in public schools or courthouses for yeah. sure because even the silly ones aren't taken seriously relative yeah. to other ones. Okay, so there's that. Let me bring up this issue that is a big deal because actually, as we speak today, there was a protest outside the Mormon temple in Salt Lake City. Oh, like yeah, it's their Friday night, by the way, the 30th. Yeah, 
Uh, the Mormon church has had a really bad month. And this is worth talking about. <laughs> yeah. uh, more than a month. Maybe two months. They've had some really bad PR. And just to refresh your memory, you might remember Rob Porter, the White House staff, uh, staff secretary. He's Mormon? He's Mormon. And his ex-wives, Rit. two of them, went public with stories about how he abused them in their relationship. You might have seen that picture of one of them who had like a black, black eye. eye. Um, and she said, one of them, Colby Holderness, said that Mormon bishops urged her to stick with Rob Porter no matter how physical he got with her. Mm-hmm. His other, his that was his second wife, his first wife, Jennifer Willoughby, said a Mormon bishop told her, think carefully before you go public because, quote, Rob has career ambitions. So not good for the Mormon church. You may recall, like, last month, Mormon Leaks, that website, released a video in which a church leader told other bishops how to handle uh, hearing stories of allegations of child abuse. What should you do if that happens? Call the cops. And one of them was, look, they said, call the cops if if they broke the law. But if there's any gray area here or you don't know that it's serious and the law doesn't require you to call the cops... Talk to the church lawyers. Yeah. D- like the lawyers? Let us take care of it. I assumed it was going to be like, talk to the elders to get like oh, more Oh, no, no, advice. no. They have church lawyers. And then Yikes. last week, and I think we talked about this uh, last week, there was audio that was leaked through Mormon Leaks that featured one guy, Joseph Bishop. That's his name. He's not a bishop, but his name is Joseph Bishop. He was a leader of the church's main missionary training center before their two-year trip, right? Uh He was leading that and he confessed basically to sexual misconduct. Mm. The person who was interviewing him uh, basically said, you tried to rape me in a storage room in 1984. Mm. He said that's, he didn't admit that so much as he said, okay, maybe I did something wrong. But then she said there was another girl that was with them and you molested her. And he's like, I did. (gasps) Like he confessed to it. And the woman, the interviewer, even said, if this story went public, you would be the Harvey Weinstein of the Mormon church. And his response, I would be. It's not good PR for the church. It's not good for anybody, but it's not good PR for the church. So all of that has happened in the past, like, couple of months. How did that one escape me? Uh, He's retired. All this stuff happened long before statute of limitations uh, now it's expired. I think they're looking into it to see if there's anything, but the guy's not in power anymore. So, uh, but, uh, and as these stories come out, more Mormons have come out and said, this happened to me too. Like, yeah. okay, so what is the church doing? They finally announced this week they're going to make some policy changes. Uh-huh. It's about damn time. One of them is uh, members should never be encouraged to remain in a home or situation that is abusive or unsafe. Mm-hmm. They are telling bishops never tell a member that if they tell you they're being abused. It's yeah, okay can, to leave them. Which I think is obviously really great. Like, that's a good start. I think the other really strong um, stance that they took, and, and this is, I would argue, probably too a little too late, but it's a step in the right direction, but they said church leaders should never disregard a report of abuse or counsel a member not to report criminal activity to law enforcement personnel. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly Fine. what you were talking about before of like, they didn't say abuse was good and they didn't say you no. should abuse your wife, but, 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 do you <laughs> but let us, say anything? if you don't need to let it leave our circles, then we have, let us take care of it. But he's One, real sorry though. Uh, One of the other changes they made is they told church leaders, they told the elders in the Mormon church, if you are meeting with women or children, you should make sure there's another adult nearby, uh-huh. just in case. Women too? Uh, yes. I saw and the if the woman or child wants that person in the room, 
they should be allowed to do that. So, mm-hmm. like, don't get personal confessions, whatever, one-on-one, um, without the person knowing they could bring a third party in the room if they feel comfortable with that. But, like, if you're a kid and you've been abused and you're talking to an elder about it, maybe you don't realize how important it is to have someone else, an adult you trust, <sighs> yeah. in that room with you. So, again, it it's too little too late almost, but it's something... Like I mean, yeah. It's... So the thing is, the the interviews with the children. This has been a point of contention because last November we learned that bishops in the Mormon Church were asking children very detailed questions about their sex lives. They asked them whether Gross! they masturbated, how often they did it, Stop and it. notice the new guidelines say nothing about don't ask those what creepy the questions. Fuck is the matter with people? Like I just yeah, don't. No- Understand. This is why this march for our children, for the children, is going on today in Salt Lake City because they want to see an end to those interviews at all. It's none of your business. But of even with these halfway decent changes they are making to their guidelines, and even though they're saying if you're talking to children, let make sure those kids know that there is an adult that could be in the isn't, room. Isn't but it? they didn't say don't ask those kids about their sex lives, even if they're teenagers or whatever. But like, isn't it super fucking abhorrent that not only so this is a big enough issue that there are enough people out there who really want to know about kids' sex lives and kids and teenagers, but but so many that they are like they are numerable in leadership in the church position. You know what I mean? In leadership positions in the church. You know what I mean? Like I just don't understand how that many people can not only have like the weird predilection for kid sex stuff, which is whatever, not great, I'd say, hot yeah, take, uh-huh. but like this many people who have the lack of common sense to maybe not ask actual human children about it to their face. Yeah, like, there's that many people who are not only into that and not only in leadership moral leadership positions in the church, but also don't have the good sense to just not. And again, the thing is, if you're interviewing a child and the child's like, no, I want to talk to the church elder, I don't need someone else in the room, they don't know what they're about yeah, to step thing, into. That's the thing is, I yes, I get the idea of like, oh, they're right outside the door if you need anything, but I'm sorry, like, that is... That feels right outside the door suggests they're not privy to what's being discussed in the room. And it still puts the onus on the would-be victim mm-hmm. to say, like, no, I see where this is going instead of I'm being, like, emotionally abused or psychologically led into this, like, dark place where all of a sudden I'm saying things that I'm not super comfortable with and how right. did I get here and how did we, like, mur- get into this murky area? Oh, now I'm not going to call anybody else in because then they're going to ask what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm talking about these weird thoughts I've been having. Like, that's not... I'm actually going back. No, Mormon Church. Way too little too late. Bad. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad. Hot take. Hot... Hashtag hot takes. Yes. Um. So anyway, there's... There's that. I did want to bring up one more story on my end anyway that mm-hmm. I found interesting. It's a happier story, I promise you. Um, it sounds sad when you say happy okay, things. Okay, it's a sad story, but it's less serious <laughs> than the other it! ones. I knew it was uh, a lie. This is a polling group called Morning Consults, but they did a poll because Roseanne's back on the air and uh, in the show she's a Trump supporter. Uh, yeah. And so they said, who needs to be represented more 
on television? Which groups of people should be represented more? Because the whole uh, storyline with the Roseanne reboot is we don't actually see working class Trump supporter (laughs) characters on television. You're more likely to see the anti-Trump characters on television or liberal people on television. Fine. Um, And it's true. Working class was the thing that was the top item on the list. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like more than... Sixty to seventy percent of people said we want to see more. We need to see more working class people on TV as characters. Um, also on the list, middle class people. We need to see. We need to see more minorities, more African Americans, more Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans. Um, and now I'm going down the line here. We need to see more women. Uh, now we're at like thirty percent more Christians, more Jews. Twenty uh, percent. We need to see more interracial couples, more okay. LGBTQ people. And if you keep going... This is a very strange order. I really want to make that clear. This is an order of, like, what do we need to see the most? Yeah, like... Versus I see enough of it. This order is distressing I think the lower means, like, well, I see LGBTQ people on TV, so it's not that they need more representation because they have representation. I think that's the idea behind people who are saying this. Does my face look like I agree with you? No. (laughs) Um, But what's interesting is, like, who do we need to see less representation of on TV... Who's at the bottom of the list? Is it literally me personally? It is literally you personally. <laughs> it's atheists. Cool. Uh, had the lowest response on the list. Like Fine. we need to see way less. Which was surprising to me because I'm like, we don't see that many open atheists on TV. No. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't give a shit. Sorry. Like, <laughs> right. you know, I'll yell about anything, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Also on the list of who do we not need to see? Rich people, upper class people. Yeah. Clinton voters. Trump. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I just scream left into the money. Yeah. Trump voters, liberals, white Americans were also on there. But what bothered me, I'm like, you don't want to see Clinton voters. Fine. Definitely not Trump voters. (laughs) Uh, And you don't want to see rich people. But you know who you really want to see less of than rich people? Atheists. I'm just like, really? We're the ones who are that unpopular? So I actually, I read somewhere years ago, and I'm going to be kind of... um, pulling things out of thin air a little bit, but there was sort of an interesting take on like, why don't you ever see like poor people or like middle-class people? And like, because people tend to not want to watch a show about like somebody who is like, not like a worse position than them. Yeah. Or just like, Oh, we're really getting it close on mortgage this month. Not like a, <laughs> like depressing. a fun, like, <laughs> Oh my goodness. I spent all my money and now I need to borrow the money. And now I'm in a kooky situation. Like, I don't know. The I sorts just don't storylines that you never saw in friends. <laughs> oh girl. Right. Yeah. Like I don't necessarily want to see like somebody working on their taxes and they're like, Oh shit, my return is less than I thought I was going to be like, I don't right. know. That's the, and like, they can't go anywhere. They can't go on vacation. So, you so they're see just in their like mediocre house, all kind of sitting on top of each other, <laughs> sitting on the couch watching TV. That's what Mikey and I do. I don't want to watch a show about that. <laughs> right. And I'm going to pick on Friends again just because it's popular, okay. which is that the problems they have on that show are not normal people problems because they can afford to not right. have normal people problems. Also, I want to be clear. Hemant said that he's picking on Friends because it's popular. It's because it's the most current reference he can come up with. Fuck you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, but still. Um, They broke this survey down between Democrats, Republicans, and everybody, and everybody said we want to see fewer atheists. Republicans said we want to see fewer atheists. Democrats actually put atheists on the list of people we need to see more representation of. 
name. But we were on the bottom of that list. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> bottom on the list is still on the list, my friend. Yeah. Just happy to be here. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think this is so much a representation like, oh, they see too many atheists, so they said we don't need more. Yeah. I think it's just, oh, we're super unpopular. And uh-huh. so they're just like, no, nah, I don't want to hear from them. <laughs> So we're the worst. We're the worst. <laughs> um, my last thing, I just I was like doing my notes before I haven't got here, and I just saw um, somebody tweeted a thing, and I think I think this officially kills irony. President Donald, this is the proclamation from the White House. President Donald J. Trump pro- proclaims April 2018 as National Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Month. So nothing matters anymore, now I guess, is what April I'm Fool's saying. Joke. Right. Honestly, I this, really did get with it like Melania cyberbullying campaign. Lol. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, I have listener mail. Are you, do you have Go any other it. stories? I'm good. Okay. Throwing that out. Oh, I got it in. Uh, so this That's is kind of a long. Said. What? How dare you? I had nothing. Else. This is a highfalutin show. Yeah. Um, so this is an email we got from Valerie, uh, who's from California. It was, um, a little bit long, so I chopped it down a little bit. Um, so hello, Jessica and Hammond. Again, I really appreciate that they put my name first. I think they get their priorities. Um, I enjoy the podcast and look forward to it every week. It's one of the few things I keep up with regularly. Other nice things. Thank you. Uh, I'm 45 year year old stay at home mom of three. My husband's a naval officer and we homeschool our kids. Secular homeschoolers. Obviously we do exist. Uh, we live in Southern California, so it's not exactly Bible Belt territory, but it's not as free-flowing hippie as you'd think. Um, she grew up Catholic, tried, quote-unquote, progressive Christianity later on, attended Bible studies, um, all that kind of thing, but it never felt authentic. I just wasn't feeling any kind of special divine connection, no matter how I read the Bible or prayed or hoped this was the answer. As weird as it seems to say this now, at the time it never occurred to me that not believing was an option. I just thought I must be doing it wrong or not trying hard enough. Um, so there's more. She, uh, as part of her homeschooling, she would bring her kids to like various religious services and sort of as a collective, it, they all realized it didn't really ring true to them. So all that's to say, uh, I'm not, she says, quote, I'm not super open about my atheism. I mean, if someone asks me outright, I'll answer honestly, but Almost no one knows. Everyone just assumes I must be at least culturally Christian because that's the default sin of most people who fit my description. I'm extremely non-confrontational. I generally smile and nod and, or avoid this subject, especially at events involving my husband's shipmates. I don't want to be known as that spouse. However, I can't help but wonder, should I be more open about it? Maybe smiling and nodding isn't always the best strategy. Could I be doing more to normalize atheism? Um, if not for myself, then for my kids who are growing up in a culture where not believing in God is sadly still seen as a character flaw. What can I do as a middle-aged homeschool mom, Navy wife, conflict avoider, <laughs> raising three little humans? That's yeah, going to make a difference. Thank you for doing what you're doing and being a much-needed voice, Valerie. Thanks, Val. Thanks, um, Valerie. It's a good... It's Val, a good, your close Val. personal friend, Val. Yes. It's, it's a good question. It's a tough question. Yeah. And I, it's a hard one to answer because I don't necessarily know what surrounds her in her community what Mm -hmm. the family extended family is like because the answer to everybody is not necessarily you should come out and be open about it Mm because that's not necessarily the best option um but things that you can always do is to make sure your kids know how to ask good tough questions Mm -hmm. if you're homeschooling them especially just make sure they know how to be critical thinkers Mm -hmm. because that's an important value to get across And find ways of championing that. Mm Because this is something I've said to a lot of people, which is you don't, it's it's a joke coming from me. Like, you're not going to get a job as a professional atheist. (laughs) But 
You can get, <laughs> but you can do, think about all the jobs a lot of people who share our values may want to go for, especially yeah. if they're in high school or college right now, whether you're going into education or law or uh, whatever, you're working for a group. There are so many things that we could use good, strong, critical thinkers about because we talked about goop earlier. That's a whatever medical issue, science issue. Mm-hmm. It would be so great to have more doctors who are willing to come out and say, here's why this is all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the people who was nice enough to talk to me for that article, Dr. Jen Gunter, who's been like Gwyneth Paltrow's nemesis, yeah. like pointing out all the flaws because uh, I forgot if she's an OB guy or something else, but like she does this stuff for mm-hmm. a living and she knows it's full of it. Mm-hmm. And so she's not afraid to say it. That's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a lawyer, think about all the pro bono work you could do or work you could do on behalf of church aid separation if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't matter what field you're in. You can advocate for critical thinking and in some ways atheism too. If you're a homeschooling mother though, same idea. Think about what you're passionate about because I'm sure any niche you belong to, any Uh, hobbies you're interested in has some form of superstition or irrational thinking in it Mm. be a voice of reason in there you don't have to use the a word to do that but that's one thing you could do i don't know what valerie's other passions are but like that may be something like whether it's a military issue because she knows something about that Mm -hmm. or whatever hobbies she has find a way to advocate for those things as much as you can sure Uh, so i actually kind of ran into something really similar to this today um that so it's March thirtieth, right, twenty eighteen. So uh, Easter is on is on Sunday, and we live in a very Catholic area, Christian in general, but but Catholic specifically. And I work with a lot of Catholic people, so a lot of people were talking about their plans. And then like my two coworkers got in a like long conversation about Catholicism and all that. And I did so much smiling and nodding. And like because <laughs> I grew up Catholic, so I know I, that's not true. I didn't grow up Catholic. I grew up kind of culturally Catholic. But there is an element of smiling nodding that is absolutely appropriate. Like you don't always like I know I am the one who sits here and yells into a microphone week after week. But, like, I don't go around in my daily life, like, being a firebrand atheist <laughs> and, like, grabbing, like, snatching crosses off people's necks. Like, I, as one does. As, as one <laughs> does. But it's just one of those things that you have to read the room. Like, if somebody ever asked me outright, I would, like, obviously tell them exactly where my beliefs are. But, like, I don't, I, the reason people don't like loud atheists are because, Two people are, it, it's the scenario that like two people are having a conversation about Catholicism and the atheist is like, I think it's all bullshit. Did you know that? Did you know like, how this is not real? Jesus probably didn't even exist. That person's not going to be well liked. I don't know. I mean, I would like them personally. <laughs> I do like being shouted at by strangers. That's why Twitter is my favorite place yeah, to be. Right. Um, so, so I don't, th- so I, I think what I read here kind of is that she feels guilty about not being more like quote unquote out as an atheist. And I don't think that's fair. I think if you are asked or, or even like what church do you go to? I think it is absolutely within like social propriety to be like, oh, I'm an atheist or, oh, I'm not religious or just, oh, I don't go to church. Or usually like my go-to has always been, we're not religious. Is like my, the softest, right. w- softest way I know how to say. I'm like, the same way. I, if you don't know what I do, mm-hmm. that's probably the language I use. Yeah, we're not religious. Why am I, um, depends who you are. Am I trying to piss you off or what? Yeah, and it's like What do you about, do for, like, what do you do normally? Oh, I write about politics and religion. That's what I say when people ask about the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's about politics and religion. Which, I mean, 
I don't know. I, it's, I, I think that there is definitely a fine line to walk, and context is everything, right? Like, it, there are many, many, many places where I am just thrilled to announce that I'm an atheist. <laughs> but, but, like, uh, no, seriously, it's infrequent that I, like, talk about it that much unless... The thing is, because of what I do and what I post on the internet, people often bring it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's sort of a different... Like we're sort of in a different situation, I think. But but I don't want you, Valerie, to feel like you're not doing enough for the movement because really, just living your life well and raising good kids is great. Like that is that is all you have to do. And if people find and the best thing is if people are really religious and they find out you're an atheist and then they'll do the thing like, oh, you're so nice, or like, or it just plants the seed of like, oh, I didn't know that was you do all this and you don't go to church yeah you don't do all that stuff because that's what she said about it didn't occur to her that people don't believe like i i didn't really like where we grew up it's catholic but it's super liberal so so people were aware that other people weren't catholics when i lived in montana like people were shocked that i didn't believe in God or go to church or whatever. Like it just had never occurred to them that it didn't happen. That's an option. So, so yeah, like absolutely that all I did was like, if they asked, I answered. And if they wanted to talk with me, you know, I will talk about right. it anyway. All that's to say, is, that I'm sure you're doing a good <laughs> job, Valerie. I probably made a point somewhere in there. Heaven, what is your happy thing this week? Hey, uh, happy. Oh, you go first. I'm thinking, I'm <sighs> thinking, uh, I have two things. So that will Go. buy you some time. Yeah. Okay. My first thing is that um, my two best friends, Lee and Amanda, are coming. They, um, Leah's my best friend from high school. She's the one who I lived in Australia with. Um, they're the wedding I officiated in 2016. Um, they moved to Portland a couple of years ago because that's, I guess, lesbians have to do that. I think they have to like live a year in Portland and adopt a, a, a dog, rule. rescue a dog. And like that's what they're doing. They're putting in their time. They're very brave. Anyway, they're back in town. For a wedding, so they're going to be staying with us for a couple days this week, and I'm very excited to see it. And we're recording an episode of Fables this week, this coming week, and it is a book called Romancing the Event- Inventor. It is a queer romance novel, and <laughs> it is out of this world. It is so bad and good and weird and dumb, but funny, I think. I Excellent. think it's winking at me, but I'm not sure. The other thing is... Um, <laughs> There's a show on Netflix called Nailed It. <laughs> yes. And the other night after we recorded here on a Thursday night, I went downstairs because, I, you know, I get really hype after we right, record right. and I just have to cool off. So I went downstairs and watched like three episodes of it and was screaming laughing. It's a cooking show that's like gives amateur bakers overly elaborate cakes and, and treats to make. And they're all very, very bad. And the second episode features this woman from this older woman from Mississippi who's like Chiron says she is a professional grandmother. And she tries to make this pirate donut. And when they revealed it, I screamed in my basement. <laughs> I screamed at the TV. I woke up the dog. I couldn't stop laughing. It's just brought me so much like pure wholesome joy. Uh, please go watch it. It makes me very, very happy. Go ahead, nice. have it with your happy thing. Uh, I'm still working on it. Uh, happy thing. The weather's nicer, so we're going to see... We're going out tomorrow, I think. You say that every weekend. I, I do. Ever we haven't gone out. It's not going to be that nice this weekend. Son of a bitch. Yeah, it's... Um, I am seeing college friends tomorrow. That'll be fun. Oh, yeah. Nice. Haven't was telling me all about his cool college, college oh, gossip. Yeah. So, 
We'll hang out tomorrow. I haven't seen them in a while. They'll see kids. They'll yeah, be kids. Yeah, Hammett, where can we find you on the internet? I'm, uh, I'm at Hammett Meta on Twitter, FriendlyAtheist.com. You know, Patreon.com slash FriendlyAtheistPodcast. Uh, I'm at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-E-E. Uh, my Etsy shop is Bitches Get Stitched Done. You can reach out if you want to, like, avoid Hammett. You can email, <laughs> <laughs> email Fables, um, FablesPod at uh, gmail.com. That will get right to my inbox. A couple people emailed me, and I created it, like, a month ago, and I forgot to check it because I didn't. And you call yourself a podcaster. <laughs> so bad. Anyway, if you want to, uh, we're, I'm going to be dropping the new episode of Fables, and it's going to be me and my husband talking about the book Tranny by Laura Jane Grace. Um, that should be coming out in the next week or so, so if you want to read along or whatever, the next one is going to be Romancing the Inventor. I don't know who it's by. It doesn't matter. It's a great book. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun, and that's all I have, Hemant. All right. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.